0: You're listening to the Greater Long Beach Podcast, where our focus is helping people to connect to God, change, and thrive in life. I'm really happy today because one of my best friends is visiting with me, and that's Jay Miner right here. Uh, Jay and his wife Tracy are right here in the front with us, and uh, Jay and Tracy uh, serve as ministers in the Turning Point Church, which is a sister church that we are very connected with and love very much. And, uh, you know, Jay and Tracy, um, when, when Marina and I, I mean, we're so, we love them dearly, and we're so thankful for our friendship. When, we, when Marina and I found out that we were pregnant with our number four, that was a very difficult surprise. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Uh, do you understand what I'm saying on that? So we were not prepared, and Jay and Tracy drove all the way down to encourage us in our faith and say, this is, this is to God's glory, and this is going to be awesome. And every time I hold my baby daughter, Maya, or number four, I look at her, and I'm like, this, this completes our family, and this is awesome, and this is good. And, and there's something about Maya that's like, I cannot imagine our family without Maya. And I love it. And uh, I'm so thankful for Jay and Tracy and their, uh, just their love for Marina and I and just helping us to see how awesome it is. The greatest responsibility that I have as a man is to be a husband to my wife and to be a father to my children. Um, and I'm so thankful for friends like that. I hope that you have a friend in your life that will speak truth into your life, that will encourage you in the faith. Uh, we're not going to talk about that today, but we'll, we'll get into that later. Um, last week, if you were here, you know that I was so caught up into the worship and we lost an hour of sleep that I forgot my notes and I ended up having to just go with what I knew. Uh, and I, I, had, I had so many people tell me afterwards, that was the best sermon you preached in a long time. And I, I was like, wow, maybe, maybe I need to just stop, start forgetting my notes more often Um, I brought my notes today. I might just turn them over and just kind of talk to you. But um, anyway, I'm so thankful for the study that we're doing. I hope that you're encouraged to read your Bible a little bit. We talked last week. uh, We're doing a sermon series called Will You and Will You blank? And last week we talked about Will You Trust? And we're going through the book of Deuteronomy because of the richness of Jewish history and what God uh, was doing through his people in Israel and how that combines and attaches to our story today, how it makes the Bible such a fuller and richer story for us to understand how Jesus is the center of all that. And so uh, we're, we're, we're talking about uh, Deuteronomy and a lot of things in the Old Testament, uh, as Scripture says in Romans 15, were given to us to instruct us uh, that the endurance of the Scriptures would give us hope. And I hope that you're able, if you've been a, dis- a disciple or a Christian for a long time, I pray that, I hope that you're reading some Old Testament. I hope that you can get into that a little bit because it'll, it'll really build your faith. Um, last week, uh, we saw the rebellious nature of the Israelites. You guys remember that? And Moses was preaching this sermon. He's like, you guys are just rebellious. Like, I just don't know what else to do with you. You are... Arrogant and rebellious people, stiff-necked, if you would just trust God, right? And we talked about how that is our nature, to be rebellious, to think that we know better, to do things our own way. Uh, a Bible study tool that, we're, talking, that we're using is the idea that what was written back then and there was written for a specific purpose and for specific people, but how does that apply to us here and now? So today we're going to do a similar thing. We're going to go back then and there, and then we're going to say, okay, how does that apply to me here and now? And I hope that you can read the Bible on your own this week and try to do that. Okay, what was happening then and there? How does that apply to me here and now? You you guys follow me on that? So when you trust God, when you trust, trust is the foundation of any relationship, right? Now, out of trust comes obedience. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Look at this picture. If you're a parent with a kid, well, yes, Um, you understand more than anybody that disobedience is within the nature of mankind and a human being. Like our bent is towards disobedience. So your kid wants a cookie and you say, no cookie. And they look at you. As they're trying to grab the cookie and you say, no cookie, don't touch it. And they're smiling and looking parents. Can I get an amen on here? Have you experienced this? And these kids, these incredible, cute, wonderful kids are are testing you. And they're saying, no, I, I, I know better. I'm going to go ahead and get this cookie. And a parent's, any parent's biggest test is training your children to obey. Yeah. Now, isn't that incredible to think about? A baby's natural bent is towards disobedience. You have to train your child to obey. It's not a you don't wake up the kid doesn't wake up every morning saying I'm going to obey my parents today. No, you need to train it. Uh, in our family. Noah and the Ark is like a staple family devotional story. And we always talk about Noah and the Ark because Noah was told by God to go build an ark. And Noah, it says in the Bible, obeyed the Lord. And so we use that Noah obeyed the Lord. Noah obeyed the Lord. And then we, say, we play like Daddy says. Instead of Simon says, it's Daddy says. Daddy says, raise your hand. Daddy says, you know, sit down. And we play it to help our children learn obedience. And still, right after that family devotional. (laughs) Okay, go clean up your clothes. Go pick up your things. No. And they go the other way. It's an ongoing, repetitive thing. If you're a parent, you totally get what I'm saying. Our nature as people... (laughs) is towards disobedience. We want to test the boundaries just a little bit. Push them out a little wow. bit and see what happens. Today we're answering the question, will you obey? Moses speaks to a new generation of, of Israelites and in chapter 4, he reminds them of God's nature. First, before, as, he, as he starts talking as he's talking about obedience, he, he gets into in the middle of his of his sermon and he starts talking about God's nature. And I want to read a little bit of this excerpt here. You can read on your Bible, uh, Deuteronomy chapter four uh, in verse 32. We're going to begin there. Or you can follow along here on the screen with me. Moses is saying here in chapter four, verse 32, for ask now of the days that are past which were before you since the day that God created man on earth and ask from one end of heaven to the other, whether such a great thing as this has ever happened or was ever heard of. Did any people ever hear the voice of a God speaking out of the midst of the fire as you have heard and still live? Or has any God ever attempted to go and take a nation for himself from the midst of another nation by trials, by signs, by wonders and by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and by great deeds of terror, all of which the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes? To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord is God. There is no other besides Him. Out of heaven He let you hear His voice that He might discipline you. And on earth He let you see His great fire. And you heard His words out of the midst of the fire. And because He loved your fathers and He chose their offspring after them and brought you out of Egypt with His own presence, by His power driving out before you nations greater and mightier than you to bring you in, to give you their land for an inheritance as it is this day. Know therefore today and lay it to your heart that the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath there is no other. So so Moses is painting this picture for this new generation of Israelites who are about to enter the promised land. And he's reminding them, guys... This, there's no other nation, no other God that does what your God is doing and has done. That in the midst of the fire, he would speak his voice to you. That he would choose a people. That he loved you enough and chose your father's offspring, which which is you guys right now. This is Moses talking to this new generation of Israelites. And he brought you out of Egypt. He did all this so that you would lay it in your heart that the Lord is God in heaven, that there is no other. So because of this, therefore, you shall keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you and that you may prolong your days in the land that the Lord, your God is giving you for all time. Moses tells the people, this God is so different, so beyond what other nations experience when it comes to their gods. And because you and your fathers and your grandfathers have seen what this God has done, because of this, you will keep his commands. And if you keep these commands, it will go well with you. This phrase, may go well with you, is actually repeated several times in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy that it may go well with you or that you may live or that um, you will choose life. But this idea of you, you will live like it will go well with you. You will have a full life, a rich life if you do this. Like, in other words, these commandments are given to you, Israelites, not not to constrain you, not to keep you captive, not to not to damage you or to oppress you. These were given to you so that your life would go well, so that you may live, you would experience life to the full if you actually kept his commands. This is in the middle of Moses' talk, and right before this, he's referencing this idea of obedience. We're going to read a lot of Bible today. I hope you're okay with that. Deuteronomy 4, verse 1. And now, O Israel, so this is right before he talks about God's nature, Moses is saying this. And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I'm teaching you, and do them, again, look at that phrase, that you may live. And go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. "...your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor, for the Lord your God destroyed from among you all the men who followed the Baal of Peor. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are all alive today. See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it." Keep them and do them for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you? Today, Moses is telling them, do these things that you may live. Keep these rules, these commandments. Obeying will be your wisdom and your understanding. This obedience, this adherence to God's laws, it will separate you from all the other nations. Everybody else around will look at you and say, there's... There's something wise and understanding about those people because they're obeying and they're putting into practice and they're keeping and they're doing what their God is telling them to do. It will be so different. Others around you will be curious about that God. And again, he uses this idea that obedience leads to life. It will go well with you that you may live. And experience fullness and richness of life. Like, in other words, apart from this obedience, you won't experience what God has in store for you. That you, you, will, you may experience some of it because of his grace and how good he is. But not the full amount of what he wants for you. Again, as a father with a child, you tell them not to run across the street because you love them. It's for their good. You tell them not to touch the fire because you love them. It's for their good. It's not like I'm trying to oppress you as your father. No. It's all in love. Don't touch the fire that it may go well with you. That you may actually live. But this idea of living is is God's way of telling us it's, it's it's not just living like your life every day, but a full, rich life that he wants for us. Just obey. I've provided this for you. And if you just obey and keep it, it will be your wisdom. It will be your understanding. Other people, other nations around you will say, there's something different about those people. Moses, after chapter 4 and chapter 5, he introduces, reintroduces, or reminds the Israelites about when he introduced the Ten Commandments. You guys know the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal, you know, thou shalt not cover your neighbor's wife. I mean, this is, this is you know, through history, we, we know, if we don't know the Ten Commandments, we know the phrase, the Ten Commandments, right? And so, the chapter 5 in Deuteronomy, uh, he's talking about how... Uh, he came down from the mountain and he had these tablets with the Ten Commandments and and he introduces this and they're the foundation actually of over 600 commandments that you find 600 laws that you find for the Israelites. These 10 are the foundation of their kind of what you would call their Bill of Rights or their national constitution. All the do nots that that any of us maybe have grown up hearing when we were younger. And then he recounts in chapter five, he recounts the story of God speaking to his people directly from a fire. Like there's a huge bonfire and God's voice comes out and how the people were amazed and they were freaking out and afraid. And and they begin to tell Moses, like, hey, Moses, you know, we will obey. I mean, we fear the Lord. Please tell him never to speak directly to us again, because that freaked us out. Right. And in the middle of chapter five, Moses, as he's recounting this story in verse 28, Deuteronomy five, verse 28, he says, and the Lord heard your words when you spoke to me and the Lord said to me, I have heard the words of this people, which they have spoken to you. They are right in all that they have spoken. Oh, that they had such a heart as this always to fear me and to keep all my commandments that it might go well with them and with their descendants forever. Go and say to them, return to your tents, but you stand here by me and I will tell you the whole commandment and the statutes and the rules that you shall teach them, that they may do them in the land that I am giving them to possess. You shall be careful, therefore, to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. You shall walk in all the way that the Lord your God has commanded you that you may live." And that it may go well with you. And that you may live long in the land that you shall possess. Moses provides instruction to this new generation of Israelites. And the promise is very simple. Obey these laws. Obey these commandments. And it will go well with you. You That you may live. Not just that you may live, but that you may live Long. Not just present generation, but next generation and next generation. These commands I'm giving you, they provide life. Trust followed by obedience is essential to God. Our human nature's bent is toward disobedience. But God is calling us into a fullness of life. That can only be experienced when we live out our trust in him through obedience. One time after this, in Israel's history, this is Moses' issue with Israel, is that they continue being rebellious and disobeying God's law. And you find this to be true throughout Israel's history when you read the Old Testament. Over and over and over again, they disobey. And in one occasion, they had a king named Saul and Saul was given a command by God to go into battle and to offer to and before you go into battle, a priest would come and offer a sacrifice so that God would bless the battle. And so Saul goes in and waits and waits and waits and the priest never shows up. So he goes ahead and offers a sacrifice And the priest shows up, Samuel, after the sacrifice has been given. um, And and Saul's like, hey, look, we're ready for battle. We're ready to go. And Saul is so I mean, Samuel gets really upset with Saul because he's like, listen, dude, like, no, that's not your role is not to do the sacrifice. Your role is to just obey God. I've got to set out the way that he wants to do it. In fact, what had happened after that sacrifice is they had been given a command to destroy this whole nation. And yet Saul went in and destroyed it, but kept all this cattle to provide a sacrifice for the Lord. And it wasn't complete obedience. Now, the intentions were nice. He had good intentions in his heart. And in his mind, he was probably obedient But Samuel comes in and just tears him apart in terms of like really challenging him. He gave him like a spiritual pow-pow, you know what I mean? And he says here in 1 Samuel 15, Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed is better than the fat of rams. This word Shema, or Shema, or Shema, I don't know how to pronounce it yet, but we'll figure that out by next week because we're going to talk about it next week. Um, this idea of listening and heeding is always tied into not just listening to, to an audible sound wave, but it's, a, it's, it's combined with obedience, like you're listening and you're obeying, you're doing, you're heeding, you're listening. This all goes together in this with this word Shema. He says, "To obey is better than the sacrifice; to heed is better than the fat of rams." For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, He has rejected you as king. Saul had good intentions, and for some of us, we would look at Saul and be like, "Dang, God is so unfair." He was trying to do his best with what he had. He actually had a good intention. But God is very clear and serious about obeying it his way and doing things his way. Is this not our story many times? That God is very clear on what he expects and calls us to do, but we have good intentions To add to it or to do it in a way that is like just it's just his way is right here. But we're going to do it like right here because that's more convenient for us at this time in our life, in our season of life. We're just going to do it this way. And all he's asking for is complete obedience. He's like, listen, you can do it that way, but but it won't go well with you. I want you to do it this way. That it might go well with you, that you would have a life, that you may live. How does this affect us today, right? Then and there, now here and now. We're not Jewish. Well, I'm not Jewish. I'm not held to obey 600 laws in the Old Testament. Uh, even culturally, I'm not held that. I'm Puerto Rican, so I don't have any Jewishness in me. In fact... Jesus comes on the scene and in Matthew five, he ta- he says this phrase, he says this and I've come here not to abolish the law, not to get rid of the law, but I've come to fulfill the law. I've actually come to show you God's heart behind the law. I've actually come that you would, you would see the richness and the fullness of God's original intent for do not murder, do not commit adultery do not, all the do nots in the Ten Commandments. I've actually come to fulfill that, to bring it, to, to make it larger, to, to make it fuller, to help you see God's heart. And so he starts talking about it. And he says, you know, you, you've heard it say, do not murder. But I tell you, don't even be angry with your brother. Don't let the sun go down. If, if, if you, so you know somebody has something against you, leave your gift at the altar. Go back. Get resolved and then come back and give your sacrifice. You've heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, you look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery. You've heard that it was said. And he goes through all these different laws that the Israelites know, but he brings the heart behind it. And you and I read this now and we're like, wow, I can't. I'd rather just do not commit adultery. Or do not murder. That's a lot easier than what Jesus is talking about. And his point at the end is, yeah, because you can't do it without me. You're going to need me. After he goes through all all these different laws that he has brought fulfillment to, he ends his discourse in Luke chapter six. and He says something here that we're going to use as our kind of landing place for today. Uh, Luke chapter six, verse 46. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When a stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. This is a great family devotional verse as well, the wise man and the foolish man. The wise man built his house upon the rock. You guys want to sing with me? I'm just Okay. He talks about the difference, Jesus, between the one who hears and obeys and the one who hears and doesn't obey. The one who hears and obeys is, is, is living life to the full here. The, the storms come and their house is fine because it's well built. It's got a deep foundation. You're good to go. Simply because you're obeying what Jesus is commanding. But the guy or the woman who doesn't obey and who hears the words but doesn't do what he says is a foolish man whose house, when the stream broke against it, it says the ruin of that house was great. Disobedience leads to the ruin of that house to complete destruction. You know, I've seen this time and time again. People who hear the commands but decide not to obey. Here's our issue with Jesus. Our issue with Jesus most of the time is not intellectual or knowledge or belief. I don't really know if Jesus existed or not. That's not the issue. Our issue with Jesus is an obedience issue. Because obedience is inconvenient, it's uncomfortable, it's annoying sometimes, all because our natural bent is toward rebellion and arrogance and disobedience. You guys follow me here, church? Recently, Marina and I have been studying the Bible with different, different people who are returning. Uh, they, had, they had been Christians for a while and they made decisions to walk away. Uh, and now, after humility and humbling themselves, have decided they want to come back. To a right relationship with God and right relationships with other uh, other Christians, and it's been really encouraging for our faith to sit down with these different people and hear their stories, and study scriptures together, and pray together, and walk together, and find out um, just how we can minister to them and help them. And we're pulling, we've had other other Christians be part of the you know processes and stuff like that. But story after story after story is of a house that has been ruined. They're trying to get their house rebuilt and reestablished, and it's very commendable and encouraging. But what we've had to tell them many times, several times, is the consequences of your disobedience are going to have led to ruin in your home. And when there's ruin, it takes time to heal. It takes time to put back together, um, and and it doesn't happen overnight. You could be restored, and amen. There's a celebration. The prodigal has come back to the father, but the consequences of those those decisions still are still there, and we'll continue having to talk about it. And God's grace pours over you and God's grace will give you the strength to overcome. But there are consequences. Baptism, I always tell people about baptism, baptism saves you, but it doesn't heal you. So even when you decide to get baptized and you're baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and, and you have a right relationship with God, we have this expectation that now everything is going to be great. But you have lived the majority of your life not obeying jesus and your house is in great ruin and you will be need to be taught to obey him right go and make disciples of all nations teaching them to obey right there's a training that needs to happen now as a young christian so maybe you were baptized a few months ago and you were like man excited about everything and and then all of a sudden there's a trial all of a sudden. I'm too tired to have have a devotional time. All of a sudden, oh, another small group meeting? Man, this church meets all the time. And you start getting into this funk. You're going to need to be taught to obey. Does that make sense? We all need that in our lives. A teaching to obey. Because it's not natural. I don't wake up in the morning and say, I can't wait to obey the Lord this morning. No, no. I need to be trained to obey by his word, by his Holy Spirit, by prayer, by relationships, intentional one another relationships to help me to obey. Here's the thing. Many of us are in this ruined house situation. And we expect things to change like that just simply because you, you came to church today and you started obeying God this week, it's going to take time to bring healing to that house. But there is a promise that it may go well with you, right? That you would live if you obey and keep his commands. Those of us who've been Christians for a long time started off maybe with a ruined house, but with the Holy Spirit and with the training and the equipping and the encouragement of others and God's word and his grace and his forgiveness over time have been able to see healing and health in our home does that make sense Jesus in another interaction he says this in John chapter 8 in verse 31 he says so Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him so these people already trusted Jesus says if you continue to obey my teaching you are truly my followers then you will know the truth And the truth will make you free again. Freedom, knowledge of truth, that it will go well with you, that you may live. All these things come from obeying God's word, obeying Jesus's teachings. James, chapter one, verses uh, verses 22 to 25, say, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Again, that phrase that it may go well with you, that you will have blessing in your life if You do what it says. Again, many of us, our issue is not knowledge or intellectual belief. Some of us started there. But it's so easy to convince someone of the, the viability of Jesus, the truth of God's word. It takes more faith to not believe in God, actually. The issue is not knowledge a lot of times. It's we just don't want to obey. So I'm going to find a church that tells me what I want to hear. I'm going to find friends that tell me what I want to hear. I'm going to be involved in a small group that doesn't really challenge me with God's word. They just accept me for who I am. God accepts you where you're at. But he expects... And calls us to obedience. That you may live. Obedience is hard. You know, recently, Marina and I have been having some great conversations just about my relationships, with my relationship with her and with our children, just in our family. And the thing that I have been praying about a lot lately, uh, you know, here's, so here's the deal. Like, I love what I do for a living. I love the church. I have a great vision for the church. I love helping people and giving to people and preaching God's word and h- figuring out how we're going to reach more souls for him. I wake up every morning, like, excited about this, right? Now, sometimes I don't because, let's be honest, some of you guys are a hot mess, but... Um, <laughs> in general, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I love you. I said in love. I'm a hot, we're all a mess that needs God's grace. Amen. Come back, come back, come back, come back. Um, but in general, I really love what I do. And Marina sees that. She sees, man, Ruben really loves. But what happens is I, I'll end up giving so much or thinking so much that then our family sort of gets that extra that last 20% that last 10% of my energies and my emotions does that make sense and something that has really been convicting me lately uh and I shared this with her and I've shared this with others, a couple other brothers here this past week is that God loves the church God will always take care of the church in other words if I'm gone somebody else can come and lead the church like the church will keep on going <laughs> Nothing's going to stop the church. Anybody can do what I'm doing, in a way. But nobody else is going to be my wife's husband. Nobody else is going to be my children's father. And Scripture talks about this. You know, Love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And for some reason, I have my trajectory has been to not obey that in the way that I need to be obedient to it. And so I've had to wrestle with this this past week and just, I need to obey what God says about this. Yes, because I love my wife, but even more so because I love God and I I trust his word. And I know my wife will appreciate if I start obeying God's word a little bit more. But I... It, what has happened, it's been uncomfortable to talk about this and to deal with it because I've been like I, I, this whole time I'm thinking I'm doing all right. I'm fine. I'm doing a good job. And so when this is brought up to me, it's like you, you want to get defensive. Well, yeah, but you don't understand. This is why this is what instead of seeking to understand. Does that make sense? And so obedience then again even though I'm thinking I'm doing a good job, obedience becomes uncomfortable. It becomes tension because my bent is towards arrogance and rebellion. And you guys follow me here? I'm sure you guys can all think about your own. What am I having a hard time obeying? Does that make sense? And and so I just ask for your prayers. Like, Pray for, pray for me to obey God and to prioritize the relationships that he has commanded me to take care of. Primarily my relationship with him and my relationship with my spouse and my upbringing of my children. Does that make sense? I say that, be, I, I share this because I think all of us feel a little bit of tension when it comes to obedience, and yet God's word is very clear. Obey me and it will go well with you. You will be blessed in what you do. If you not just look intently into the word, but actually do it. So we're going to take communion right now. And here's what we're going to do for communion. I'm going to have our ushers, if I can get our ushers prepared with the, the bread. And, um, and we're going to do a similar thing that we did last week where we had a, a time where we took the bread and we kind of prayed uh, a prayer, kind of an individual between me and God, and then and then we're going to take the cup after that, and we're going to actually pray uh, with somebody next to you. And the idea here with communion is we're trying to create a space where God's Holy Spirit speaks to us, but also uh, communion is a communal event. It's a community event, and so uh, it's not... At Christianity, uh, first-century Christianity was not... Uh, individualistic it was y'all you all do this you all uh, worship God together you all encourage one another daily and these kinds of things and so uh, we're trying as a church to uh, have more experiences where we're intentionally communing with one another so here's what I want to rest I want you to wrestle with uh, your move two questions here as we take the bread I want you to Think about what is God telling me to do that I'm having a hard time obeying? What is God telling me to do that I'm having a hard time obeying? Maybe it's forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Maybe it's confess your sins to one another. Maybe it's the intentionality of having see to it relationships in your life. We talk about that in Hebrews 3. See to it that no one has an unbelieving and sinful heart. Like, see, that requires intentionality. Maybe it's loving your enemies. Maybe it's letting your light shine at work. Maybe there's somebody at your job or in your neighborhood that you know you could just invite or, or share your life with, but you're just afraid to. Maybe it's the pursuit of holiness and purity, absolute purity in your life. Maybe it's, Hebrews 10, which talks about don't get in the habit of not meeting together. Some of you guys have not made it to some of our midweek gatherings that we've had in the past few weeks. And then you're not calling anybody. And then you're not involved in these relationships. And then you you find yourself to be lonely and nobody loves me. And, well, no, look at yourself. Are you obeying God's word or not? Maybe it's to get resolved in a conflict with somebody without gossiping. Maybe it's just a few weeks ago I preached about the Holy Spirit that you obey the Holy Spirit. That The Holy Spirit is telling you you have a gift or you have a certain thing that you can do to help build the body of Christ, but you're rejecting Him, you're neglecting Him because you're too afraid or you're too lazy or you got, quote-unquote, as everybody says, I got too much going on right now. It's interesting when you have too much going on right now, if you just do one more thing, how God sort of meets you where you're at and provides for you. What's God telling you to do that you're having a hard time obeying? And then when we take the cup, you're going to answer this question or wrestle with this question. Will you obey? So amigo, let's me go. let go ahead and have the uh, I'll say a quick prayer and then we'll have the the ushers come down and pass out the bread. And in your time of prayer by yourself, I uh, will take the bread. Please wrestle with this question. What is God telling me to do that I'm having a hard time obeying? Let's pray. Our father in heaven, as we take the bread that represents the body of Christ, help us to realize that Jesus. Jesus knew what you had commanded him to do, and even though he he had a hard time with it, he obeyed. And the only reason why we're here today is because Jesus obeyed your will to give up his life for us to shed his blood on the cross. As we take the bread that represents the body of Christ, help us to wrestle with what are you telling us through your word or through a conversation or through how your Holy Spirit moves and works? What are you telling us that we need to do that we're having a hard time obeying? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Greater Long Beach Podcast. For more information about our church, please visit greaterlongbeachchurch.com.